Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. We're back, OutKick 360, across the OutKick network, live from our downtown Nashville studios at 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton, not with us today. He's going to be back tomorrow, unfortunately, a death in the Hutton family, and he is out of town today at a funeral. We wish the Hutton, the entire Hutton family, uh, the very best in a, in, a, in a trying time and prayers uh, for the entire family. But Hutton will be back with us tomorrow on OutKick 360. Huge show, though, for you today. Coming up a little bit later, Dan Dockich from Don't At Me on the OutKick Network. We'll talk some college hoops with us. And then at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, John McClain. The great, the one and only, the Pro Football Hall of Famer will join us to talk NFL. We also have a very special guest co-host today. We don't quite have the budget of the Manning cast, so we could not afford Lil Wayne, who was the fourth quarter guest last night in the Monday Night Football game, but we got OutKick's very own version of Lil Wayne. Senior NFL writer, NFL coverage extraordinaire, Armando Salguero joins us now. Armando, you are the man for doing this. Thank you for filling in for Jonathan Hutton today. We're going to have fun on this OutKick 360. Thanks, Chad. And I want to thank you for being the first human on, you know, the planet <laughs> Earth who ever compared me to Little Wayne. So thank you for that. Uh, you know, it's going to be something that I'm going to wear proudly from now on. Be the Lil Wayne alter ego. But mostly today, I'm going to be happy to be your caddy as you star of the show, the whole operation, and I'll just carry your bags and get you some beverages if you ask me to. I am nobody's star, Armando. You are the man. You mentioned that uh, you're the first time you've been called any version of Lil Wayne by a human. We're going to talk uh, non-humans later with Avatar. That's how diversified we're going to be on this show. We're going to get into a little bit of everything uh, throughout today's show and looking forward to it. But let's start with Monday Night Football last night. Packers win it 24-12. to That's two straight wins for the Pack. And Aaron Rodgers says after the game, Armando, things are certainly looking up with two straight wins. That playoff percentage now is at 12.2% for the 6-8 and eight Packers. Uh, but they've got their last three in Miami, at home against Minnesota, at home against Detroit. What did you think about that game last night in Green Bay? I didn't watch it. You know why I didn't watch it? <laughs> I realized that the Packers have about that much of a chance to make the playoffs. I'm sorry, Aaron. Uh, your 12% doesn't rise to me watching you freeze. I I'm just not doing it. What, what is more interesting to me, Chad, with the Green Bay Packers, is is Aaron Rodgers going to be back next year or not? That's it. Because 
I know what's going to happen after the regular season. They're going to go play golf. They're not going to go play more football. This is one of those moments where you guys are taping this and running it back if the Packers <laughs> actually make it, isn't it? This is and run it back and throw it up in my face and make me look like a total well, Armando. We're actually we're we're waiting to do that when Detroit makes their run to the playoffs because we've got so much footage of you on this show just bad mouthing the Lions left and right. Uh, so we've got all that footage ready, stored away. So if the Lions continue this streak, six out of seven now for the Lions. Uh, if they go ahead and finish this off and get to the playoffs, we'll definitely run that back on you. Wow. Three minutes into the show, you threw it up into my face. Thank you. Appreciate that. A lot of Lions talk today. Three a lot minutes. A <laughs> lot of Lions talk today. No, no doubt about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching that game too last night, Armando. I'm thinking, A, why am I watching this? Uh, there's not even any, any snow to go with the cold temperature. Speaking of cold temps, we got a graphic for you about what it's going to be like across the NFL this upcoming weekend. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be pleasant in a lot of NFL markets weather-wise, but if you're going to watch a game in the cold, it's not enjoyable unless it's snowing. So uh, that was one big takeaway. But really, I watched for Lil Wayne. Um, I'm, I'm you know, kind of serious about that. And the Manning cast watching with that and their celebrity guest list. Um, but yeah, n- not a lot of reasons to pay attention to that Monday night football game. Um, let's take a look. Did you t- watch? Go ahead. Did Sorry. you watch the... Did you watch the post game, uh, the the post game interview with Lisa Salters? That's the only part that I caught. She was so obviously freezing her buttocks off that it was like even Aaron Rodgers at the end of it, she couldn't get the questions out. And she's a pro; she's really good, and yet she was struggling to get the questions out. And at the end of it, Aaron Rodgers goes, "Go get warm, Lisa." Because he clearly understood that she was not happy living in Los Angeles, having gone to Lambeau Field and was freezing. See, Armando, you're, you're a former ESPN guy. You were on TV a lot. I'm always struck by the different levels of, um, of wardrobe in cold weather and how it's like different people are trying to prove something to everyone else. <laughs> One example is... Um, but last night, Troy Aikman is not wearing gloves. Joe Buck is wearing gloves. They go to the sideline, and one of them, I think it was maybe Randy Moss, but had like the full, you know, Russian warm hat on with all of these clothes. And then someone else had on, oh, it was Steve Young. He had on like a pullover, a vest, and one scarf and nothing else. I, I never quite understood trying to prove how tough you are as uh, a media member. When you're out in the cold elements, like it's, it's okay. You've proved enough throughout your life. You can dress as warm as you need to. You know, Chad, obviously we're members of the media. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the media to be very frank with you. And one of the reasons was, and is wardrobe and especially wardrobe out of the elements. And I kind of like just divested from the whole thing one year Living in Florida, we get storms, we get hurricanes. And so you watch the weather channel, the whatever channel, the hurricane channel. One year, they were having reporters out in the field. And this one reporter is in a canoe. And she's canoeing across a street. And doing her live report, canoeing across (laughs) the street. And then here's where I just totally lost it. In the background, 
this dude behind her walks across. Okay. And so right there, I knew this is all a setup. I don't buy anything they're saying to me. The you're in a canoe for what? The dude is is walking and the water is ankle deep. I hate you and I hate your wardrobe and I hate your whole setup. See, Armando, this is why I love that you're a guest host today because now you have said something that has got me going down a completely different avenue of where we're going. And I want to stick with this media theme that we're talking about right now. I love shows like this because we can have gestures and we can emote because we're talking about sports or anything in life throughout the show, and it's not an, an overly structured format, but it's amazing how television has gone from years ago where you're taught to stand, not do too much with your hands, direct yourself to the camera, speak into the camera, broadcast in a certain way, to what is now every time there is a studio setup and multiple guys are on the set, it is the most broy setup I've ever seen. Guys are like shoving each other. They're half tackling. They're hugging each other. There's a lot of movement. There's bouncing all around. It's amazing how that's changed uh, in sports media. I, I see that on the on-field setup for NFL games. I see it all over the place in studios. I don't know if that was going on when you were at ESPN, but I feel like in the last five to ten years, it's really morphed into that. Well, they're trying to portray that it's all family. And the thing that I don't really like a whole lot, I like some, but not a whole lot, is like when shows, everybody's laughing at the same time <laughs> and nobody's speaking and everybody thinks something is extremely funny and they're all laughing and all you're getting is laughing and laughter. And I'm the only one sitting there going, I don't get this. I, I don't think this is funny. So here's my promise to you, Chad, today. I will say nothing funny. Well, here's the, here's the thing. There's never going to be a time where we're both laughing and not saying anything. My goal is to make Armando laugh at least once today. But if he's laughing, my promise to you, Armando, is that we're both just not caught up in laughter, drowning out all the great content people are going to get on today's Outkick 360. Let's talk about the, the Eagles right now. So Jalen Hurts, sprained shoulder. Um, Nick Sirianni, his head coach, Armando, says there's a chance he can play this week because of his toughness. Um, I'm not buying it. I, I think this is more coach speak of you better prepare for him or Gardner Minshew. Do you buy that there's any chance that Jalen Hurts plays? And what do you think about the prospects of Gardner Minshew starting for the Eagles against Dallas? Jalen Hurts has, um, he's got, he owns a wheelbarrow. And to walk, he uses the wheelbarrow in front of him. If you get my, my yeah. point there. Not easy to play that with a wheelbarrow in front of you. He's a very tough human being, and I would not doubt that he can play with a sprained shoulder. He threw a 68-yard pass in the fourth quarter against the Bears with a sprained shoulder. How that happens, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if it was uh, adrenaline, if he got it shot up, or what the deal happened, but that was weird. But I'm really rooting for... Gardner Minshew to play because <laughs> I enjoy the Gardner Minshew experience. Uh, true story, Chad. Gardner Minshew this offseason, he um, he worked out in Florida. His trainer is in Florida. 
So like everybody else, he comes to Florida, right? He lived in a rehabilitated prison bus. Oh, let me say that again. A rehabilitated, refurbished prison bus outside his trainer's training facility. That's where he lived all off-season in Florida. And when, of course, it was time to go to Philadelphia and report to camp, he took the prison bus with him and parked it at their NovaCare facility, and it's still there. That is Gardner Minshew. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love the guy <laughs> right I, there. I'm with you. I, I love him. He played for Mike Leach at Washington State. I get Mike Leach vibes from Gardner Minshew. I love Leach, and I love the wackiness with him, and I, I love the Gardner Minshew for the same reasons. And, and I think, Armando, Micah Parsons may be rooting for Gardner Minshew also based on some comments he made to Von Miller on the Von cast talking about Jalen Hurts and whether or not it's quarterback or system. And here is what Micah Parsons had to say. Hurts or the team? <laughs> I think it's a little bit of both, man. I think it's, a, it's, <laughs> I think it's, little, it's, it's system and team. I think it's a little bit of both, man, because they got a great deep, they got a great offensive line, which helps Hurts. Hurts has A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. They got a good running game. I um, mean, Miles Sanders. They scheme that they they scheme that they have. O line. Yeah. I mean, bro, bro like, it, like, <laughs> and this Eagles Cowboys, this Eagles Cowboys coming up, ain't it? Yeah, it's coming up. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to make no enemies. I, I just like, I just love the game so much, and I understand it so much that like. I can't. I, I like. I like when things are off. I, I just can't like hold it in. Like I almost gotta say something. Like yeah, you're right. They got. They got a great team. Great defense. But everyone. Everyone has their own opinions. Like, but they got. So Jalen Hurts is. MVP. He's, good. He's he, good. They got him for the MVP race with Patrick Mahomes. See, Armando, I found nothing offensive about anything either one of them said in that. I believe it is both system and quarterback. Jalen Hurts, good player, having a great year. But if you had to pick one or the other. And who gets the most credit for what's going on in Philadelphia? Which is it? Well, the beauty of this is, and that's and it's a reason why I'm rooting for Gardner Minshew to play, is that I get to watch what happens this weekend. And if Gardner Minshew comes out and he just lights it up a la Jalen Hurts, when I go to make my decision on a, you know, MVP vote, if Gardner Minshew in that system lit up the Dallas Cowboys defense, which is a good defense, look, it's, it's hard to make the case that it's all Jalen Hurts and that they are, the Eagles are diminished without him if his backup is doing what he did. Let me just throw some stats at you. Gardner Minshew last year when Jalen Hurts was hurt, he started a game. He was 20 of 25, 242 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, quarterback rating of 133.7, and they didn't have A.J. Brown. So if he does that coming out uh, you know, this weekend against the Dallas Cowboys, 
How is it that you can't say that it's mostly or a lot to do with the system? It would hurt, actually, Jalen Hurts' cause for the MVP votes if Gardner Minshew plays at the Jalen Hurts level, I would say to you. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, but I think it's it's logical, no? No, it's very logical. And all year we've been pointing to this Christmas Eve game in this division. It's lessened a bit by the Cowboys' loss to the Jags this past week, but this has been a must-watch game all season. I, I don't think that the fact that one, one of the starting quarterbacks is out in Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew comes in, I don't think Armando makes it any less interesting. It's still, to me, a must-watch game for the reasons that you just laid out there. Minshew's fun. It's going to be interesting to see how this offense functions with him and not Jalen Hurts, and it's still a chance for Philly to clinch the NFCs for the first time since 2019. And let me just say, I don't think Gardner Minshew is a franchise quarterback or elite. I saw him miss too many makeable passes in Jacksonville to think that, and I saw it live, and it's just not... His stats say one thing, but my the eye test says something different. If he, you know, basically soils himself, then we all know that Jalen Hurts is the man, and it's all Jalen Hurts. And my God, put that MVP vote in for, for him if you must. Well, and don't miss too many weeks. You know, you may be able to miss one more, but it's also about compiling stats. So if Patrick Mahomes goes out and... He's a wrecking ball over his last three opponents. And Jalen Hurts, even if Minshew goes out and, as you said, soils himself in this game and the next couple and it makes Hurts look even better, he's still not compiling those stats late in the year. So, look, everyone hopes Hurts is back soon. Um, I'm sure the Eagles and Hurts for his MVP chances are thinking, let's hope this is a one-week thing and not a final three weeks of the season thing and then ready for the playoffs. So, it's a game we'll Let be me watching. This. Yep. Let me ask you this. Jalen Hurts does a heroic thing and plays, but he plays poorly. Do you dock him on the MVP uh, race because the dude, you know, played and tried and was there for his team, but just didn't produce? I would have to see what he did the final two weeks to have a full answer to that question. It's a great question. I give him credit for gutting it out and trying, but if it, it if it impacts the team negatively, if he goes out there and he's so injured with that throwing shoulder and he's ineffective and he throws three picks and they lose to the Cowboys in large part because he tried to play injured, I think it absolutely docks him some credit for the MVP. Even though he's trying to do the brave thing, he's not doing the smart or the right thing for his team, if that makes any sense, if he goes out and does that. Now, if he goes out and it's a gutty performance in a close loss, and then he gets better the following two weeks and he's right back on Jalen Hurts' pace, then I don't think it, it hurts him at all. In fact, it probably helps him in the end. But it's a great question. We'll break that question down a little bit later. We're going to talk a lot of NFL today. Armando Salguero, NFL senior writer uh, at OutKick.com, is going to be our special guest co-host. But when we come back, another member of OutKick, Dan Dockich, host of Don't At Me, will join us. We'll talk a lot of college hoops Get into some other issues with Dan. That's up next. It's Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back, Outkick 360, across the Outkick Network. Chad Withrow in studio with you in our downtown Nashville. Beautiful studio, 6th and Peabody, with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Jonathan Hutton out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Armando Salguero, our special guest co-host today. And we're going to send it right now to another member of the Outkick family, Dan Dockich, the king of all things Indianapolis media. And for Outkick, the king of all things college basketball media. Dan joins us right now. Dan, something happened tonight that I just saw that was announced that I don't think has happened in at least a year. Rhode Island and Milwaukee in basketball is canceled due to a COVID outbreak. I didn't know we were still testing for COVID. I saw on SNL they even made a joke that they haven't had a cast member out because they stopped testing a long time ago for COVID. This news shocked me when I saw this, that this was still happening. Yeah, I said to my wife, I said, look at this. Can you believe this? Um, I saw it. I, again, I, I didn't know we were still testing for it. I didn't know that teams were still you know, having protocols in place. Uh, but when I saw it, I said the exact same thing as you did. Like, what did we just go back in time? Is this back to the future? What are we doing here? Uh, but hey, it is what it is. What I'm curious is this, fellas. I'm curious, are we going to see more of this? Is this going to happen more and more? Uh, like I've been sick, I have the flu or whatever you call it, a cold. Um, and I didn't even think about testing for COVID. I guess I should, huh? I mean, this is still like what Fauci said the other day we're still in a pandemic, apparently. I mean, I don't, I've never tested, I've been sick a lot. I think I've been tested for something once or twice in my life, and it was for like strep. Before COVID, I've never tested for COVID either, but uh, it is incredible that pre-COVID, post-COVID, it's like now we're in a world where you have to test for the exact strain of whatever you have if someone's sick. Dan, I'm sure when you were playing in Indiana, the question was, oh, you're a little bit sick. Can you play or not? If you're so sick you couldn't play, you didn't play. But I don't think you ever took the court thinking, hey, this guy on the other side that I'm guarding might be ill, and now I'm going to get sick because of that. I, I doubt Bobby Knight allowed that that thought to creep in your minds as you were playing for him. The only thing I thought was one time I was out there for a captain's meeting, and I thought one of the referees smelled like booze, and I went to Coach Knight, and I said, hey, that fat referee over there, uh, I think he's been drinking. And uh, no, heck no. Uh, I, look, uh, I don't think anybody prior to 2019 – ever thought well, or cared whether the guy across from them is sick. You know, it's the last thing. But, hey, look, um, hopefully it's only one. College basketball has been off to a great, great start, I think. A lot of interesting things, a lot of guys with great individual performances. So hopefully we don't see any more of this. Hey, Dan, I'm under strict orders to ask you about college basketball, which means, of course, I'm not going to ask you right away about <laughs> college basketball. Smart, if, I want nice. you. I want you to tell me and t what is your deal with the media in Indianapolis? What do you think of those folks? What are you? What's your deal with Greg Doyle? What's that about? <laughs> uh, 
Well, they're bad at their jobs and they don't like to be told. They've kissed the backside of the uh, of the Colts because the Colts, you got to understand, when Ryan Grigson was the general manager here, he wasn't nice to the media. He would only come on my show because we're kind of from the same neck of the woods. And you know what? Um, so they get rid of Doyle. Ballard comes in. And everybody tells me how great Ballard is. And I say, okay, maybe he is. But he hasn't been. And he has all these little things where he has all the media out for nachos. And they watch highlights. And, he, you know, and. Doyle is a guy that was a friend of mine, but when he moved to Indy, I told him that he, you know, yeah, you can move in, stay with me. But then I realized, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting divorced and I've got a daughter and I didn't want Doyle around. So he got mad about that. And then we're friends. And then I criticized the media and uh, Doyle get mad about that. Cause he thinks he's the great defender. I got to tell you, um, they get very personal with me. Stephen Holder, you know, on the air has yelled F off. Uh, Zach Kiefer has written tweets about, I don't respect you. Uh, Doyle ran a 2,000 page or 2,000 word essay on what a horrible human being I am. Hey, look, I may be all those things. I may be the worst human being alive. I don't get personal with them. They just do a horse bleep job here in the city and they don't want to hear it, but they keep doing it. And, and to this day, they haven't questioned Chris Ballard not even a little bit. I mean, not even, they, they'll tell you, well, you know, agents think he's the best general manager in the NFL because there was a poll. Well, of course they do. He gives ridiculous contracts. Uh, media thinks he's the best general manager. He's terrible general manager. He's 45, 48 and one took over a regime that had never had a losing season has drafted poorly, uh, overpaid for a sixth freaking pick of a generational guard they tell us it's a mess here in indianapolis i call out the media they don't like it they get personal and i just keep laughing wait wait a second so you thought doyle was gonna skulk on your daughter <laughs> no i didn't say that i just said that i got divorced and i'm like you know what kids go through hard times and oh, okay. and i don't need anybody in my house when my daughter's going through hard time. You know, I'd have said my son too, but my son was at college. So he was at college. My daughter was there and I'm like, yeah, you know what? She's going through a hard time. Uh, her mother had moved out. She, we don't need anybody else here. So he got mad about that. Uh, I guess I, I honestly don't know. I thought we were cool, but the bottom line is, um, uh, he, he doesn't like that. I, he doesn't like that I told, uh, you know, I tell the world that they're terrible at their job, period. Well, so, no, it had nothing to do with whatever skulking is. I don't know what skulking <laughs> is, but uh, it didn't have nothing to do with that. It just had to do with that. I had uh, I, I had just gotten divorced. He was moving here and I'm like, hey, you can just move in. That's what I do. I'm like, hey, and then I thought about it. I'm like, wait a second. My daughter, you know, it's a hard, it was really a hard time for us and, and, and it just needed to be me and her. So no, nothing, nothing nefarious like that. You, you sick minded person, Armando. <laughs> so, so Dan, um, kind of shutting the door on this, we're in a safe space here, so we can talk about this. How much of it, not, not just personal, but how much of it is because of politics? Do you think with, with indie media and, and you, oh, I, I feel lot. like it all, yeah. it all went downhill when you started, posting things politically that may not be in line with their politics 
or their publications politics. And then this spins out of control where you've got Greg Doyle reposting that 2,000-word hit piece about you <laughs> when you step away from indie radio, which I thought was a little bit repetitive on his part. But how much of this just stems from politics? You know, it's, it's funny. My wife said, and she follows this. She's like, you know, you go into politics, you're going to get all this. And it stems from that. There's no question. It stems from uh, standing up for myself. You know, um, it, it stands for, for uh, it stems from a, a lady had written an article. It, there's just a general dislike that I have for them and them for me. And they, you know, they always say, don't fight with people that, you know, by ink by the barrel, but I don't, I don't care. They're dishonest people. They've always been dishonest people. They've been dishonest in how they handled me. And when I got into the political realm, Doyle is a very liberal, as is the whole Gannett operation. Dan Wolken over at the USA Today, he's chimed in. And it's all cool with me. I, I, hey, look, I, 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 the difference is, I know that these are bad people. I know they are. So I, they bad people writing things that say that I am a bad person is cool with me. Now, if good people write things saying that, I am a bad person. I got a problem, but I know Doyle inside and out. I know what he's done. I know, I know all his stuff and I would never, ever bring it out. Like I would never make it personal, but I know him and I know what he's about and it's not great. And so I don't have any problem with him or anybody else, uh, Dan Wolken and, and the rest coming at me, but Hey, it's part of the job. You get political. You, you don't kiss their backside. You criticize them. You know, it's coming. And um, when I left my radio show, you know, uh, Doyle reposts his his hit piece, which is full of lies and half truths. And and you know what I do seriously? I literally just read whenever I read an article on me now. I just go, okay, that's not true. That's not true. That's got skewed. That's bull. Um, so it is what it is. Dan, what is? So, sorry, Armando. Dan, I was going to ask what. What is the deal with with Louisville basketball right now? Uh, you're you're close to that situation there in Indy. This team shouldn't be this bad, right? I you know what I've had two different two different conversations with two different people that know. One was yes, they should be this bad, and the other is well, no, they shouldn't be. I look at their team and I say, yeah, they probably aren't talented, but but. They're also not coached very well. Like, I look at them as a kind of a glorified right now uh, AAU program. Now, is that to say that that's who they are? No, no. But it looks that way. They, they haven't bought into what Kevin, Kev, uh, Kenny Payne is buying. And, and maybe he's not selling it right. Their talent level is mediocre at best, um, but not that bad. No. But the truth of the matter is, if you go back in history, and Shashevsky's always the guy people talk about. You know, his third year, he'd have been fired at. But a lot of really good coaches struggled uh, in the beginning. And if you're Kenny Payne, you got to hang your hat on that. You got to say, all right, you know, we're building our foundation. We're going to get the recruits in. This is all going to get better. But, you know, between Louisville and Cal with Mark Fox, who did a pretty good job at Georgia, they're 0-12. Like it's, it's, it's remarkable really how, how, how bad two teams that shouldn't be that bad are. But when I watch Louisville, I, I personally, I see a glorified AAU program. 
yeah, Dan, skulking to move stealthily and furtively, often with a sinister motive. You know, no, that, no, that's no motives. Was... No, no, no sinister. Just I'm so glad that my daughter, you know, a lot of people go through divorce and the guy's got to move out. Right. I mean, you know, the, the, the laws in divorce are not very convenient for guys. So I was, I was Started. thrilled to death that my daughter, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, come on, move in. And then I'm like, whoa, 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 that's not a good idea. So there's no skulking or sulking or skeezing or sneezing. Uh, it's just, I always, as my wife says, you always invite people and then figure it out later. And that's pretty much it. So my basketball question, you covered Michael Jordan. Give me your best I covered Michael Jordan story. Go. Well, I only, I only did it once, and, and uh, it's kind of a long story, but the bottom line, Armando, was the record for NCAA points in a game is 61, and it was by Austin Carr. I think it was 1970. Austin played for Notre Dame. And uh, against Ohio University. And I literally, when I knew I was guarding Jordan, I, I, I was in the locker room before the game. We had a, we had a media guy there, the pre, you know, the, the, the game program, and we're sitting there and I'm reading it. And I happened to open it and I saw, hey, 61 Austin Carr, 1971 or 70, whatever it was. I can't remember. And I remember thinking, Armando, this dude ain't scoring 62. Like he ain't getting 62 because I'm not going to be the guy that my kids say, Hey man, didn't you guard this guy in 1980? Yeah. He got 62. Uh -uh. And I'll tell you this, Armando, this is a true story. He started out with four points in the first minute. So I literally ran down the court doing math. Like, all right, he, I swear to God, I'm running. I'm looking at the facade and I'm like, man, he's got four points in one minute. There's 40 minutes in a game. This mother is going to get 160 points in this game if I don't get off my backside, Armando. Uh, we didn't talk any trash. I filed out with about three or four minutes to go. He filed out with a couple minutes to go. And then I took six grand off him on the golf course that summer at the Olympic trials in 1984. Six grand, I believe, that Dan is yet to see to this day. Even though the fortune yeah, of Michael it. Jordan is quite large, he's uh, it's like uh, Ducktales. Yeah. He's on a pile of gold somewhere, but he won't fork over that six grand. Um, we'll pay more than no. six grand for visits from Dan Dockich any day of the week. Dan, one question I do want to ask you about uh, your Indiana Hoosiers thoughts after that loss at Kansas. I I was following your Twitter timeline. Um, you had some issues with at least what you were witnessing in terms of coaching or lack thereof in that performance in a very tough place to play in Lawrence. Yeah, I got no problem you get beat. But, you know, one of the things about uh, coaching, Chad, is when you're in college, you, um, you you think, and at least it used to be this way, that NBA coaches ran the best sets, man. They 24 seconds, they had to get sets. You had to cut. You had to move. And I'm watching Indiana, and they look uncoached. And everybody get mad at me. Like I said, Woodson, I know Woody – is a nice guy. I've known him a long time, but he's got to get off his backside. You know, he, he, he's big on having his buddies around him, taking a nap. I saw, Hey, look, you got to coach in college and you got to coach every single day, every day. And when I watch Indiana, 
And I want Woody. I want Woody as a head coach. I want Woody to succeed. But when I watch them against good teams, Chad, they look uncoached, ill-prepared, and with nothing that you can hang your hat on. Are they an offensive flow team? Are they are, are they a sets team? Are they a transition team? Are they a post-up team? No, they're nothing. And then defensively, guys make very, very simple rotation mistakes, and nothing is said, nothing is done. And I look at them and I go, well, Coach this team. Now, Woodson's daughter got mad, which is cool. My daughter's waiting on me to have a beer right now. We're on vacation. So my daughters and dads have great relationships. I get all that, but I don't care. This is 17 years, man. I, I This is in my DNA, Indiana basketball. And when they play, they look uncoached. And it's time, frankly, for Mike Woodson gets a pass because he was a great player, really good guy. NBA guy, but he gets a pat. I'm sitting there going, this is an uncoached mess. And, you know, people like it or they don't like it, but I hope he does well. I hope they get back, but it's an, it to me, it's got a ways to go. It's got a lot of talent, Chad, and it's got a lot of experience, man. I mean, it's an old team with good players, but man, oh man, they, they don't, they don't play like they've been coached. Dan, as someone who knows how much fun it is to have beers with you and, you and your family, I'm not going to hold you up from that any longer. It was great hanging out with you guys when you were in Nashville. Go grab that beer with your family. Thanks for hopping on Outkick 360 today. Always appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Good seeing you, Armando. See you guys. Dan Dockich of Don't At Me. You can hear it every weekday, 9 to 11 a.m. on the Outkick Network. When we come back, it was a memorable weekend across the NFL with some incredible comebacks. How improbable were some of those comebacks? We'll tell you when we come back. This is Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back to host with us tomorrow. Armando Salguero on with us right now as a special guest co-host. I'm going to call an audible right now, and we'll get to these uh, unlikely NFL comebacks soon. But I just saw this tweet and with this quote, Armando, and I've got to, we must discuss this for at least a few minutes. Uh, yesterday, we had uh, Brad Crawford on from, uh, and this is funny because now Brad Crawford is tweeting me, in fact. Brad Ca- Crawford, 24-7 sports, covers recruiting, covers college football for CBS, 24-7 sports. He claims that Drake May, quarterback of North Carolina, was offered $4 million by two separate SEC programs to leave North Carolina. And he's staying at North Carolina, and all indications are he's not getting paid that much, at least, to stay at North Carolina. So Pat Narduzzi, head coach at Pitt, who's not afraid to speak his mind, he went on 93.7 The Fan, and he claims that not one but two programs actually offered $5 million to North Carolina's Drake May to transfer, saying it's a sad, sad deal. Now, Armando, this has every media member I follow in college football retweeting and saying, this number must be made up because there's no way a teenage guy 
is going to turn down $5 million a year to stay at a place even if his entire family went to that school. What do you think about numbers like that being thrown around for a quarterback like Drake May? Multiple things, Chad. So number one, it's great. It's an opportunity for, for Drake May. And God bless him, you know, to have that option. But here's the thing. Not everyone on earth is driven by money. Not everyone on earth wants to accumulate stuff, which you can do, obviously, with what? With money. Some people, there are other things that are more important, right? Like family, relationships, vision of the future, commitment. This guy, he's obviously tied to what he has pledged. And regardless of how much money someone is deciding that they want to throw at him, uh, he's decided, I'm going to stick with what I know, who I know, and who I committed to. And God bless him for it. I will say this. It deserves your attention, and I applaud it. But if he went the other way, I would have no problem with it. Because you could do a lot of good things with $5 million. And I absolutely believe that someone, you know, offered him that money. Yeah, and it's it's also, it's a little bit confusing to me. Not because of his play. He's a terrific player. And a redshirt freshman and, and, you know, was a Heisman Trophy hopeful for most of the year and can run and pass and all those things. But his older brother was a basketball star at North Carolina. Both of his parents went to North Carolina. He is a legacy guy. It's a weird mark. I guess is what I'm saying. Like You know that if you're, I don't know, Kirby Smart or Nick Saban. Let's just throw out two programs that would have the money and could be in the market for a quarterback a year from now in a one- or two-year fix. If they were to offer $5 million, there would be other guys, maybe not worthy of $5 million, but there are other marks that I would target that would be more willing to show me the money and leave just for the money, or and also a great opportunity to go compete for a national championship at a program like that. So anyway, I saw that story come across and uh, had to talk about the week because our guy Brad Crawford had who, tweeted me about that. Who, who do we think offered him that? What like what? I'll, I'll say know. it. If I had to guess, Georgia and Alabama, uh, two, two programs that will be without their stud quarterbacks this year that are a Drake May away from easily winning a national title, quite frankly. Uh, if you plug either one of those guys with those rosters, um, if I, if my guess, Tennessee's already paying over $2 million for an incoming freshman at quarterback, and Nico Iamaleava from California, who's a five-star prospect. It's not them. Uh, we can go by process you. of elimination. You know, Ole Miss is losing recruits. <laughs> Thanks. Ole Miss is losing recruits left and right uh, to Texas A&M and others that have a bigger NIL war chest. It's not them. I think we could probably deduce it down to just a few programs. I'm going to go with Bama and Georgia if I had to guess. So do we think – okay, so it's fair and it, it's legal and it's part of the rules, but kind of slimy, no? Slimy? Well, it's, it's slimy because, you know, it's picking on the little guy. And in this situation, North Carolina being the little guy, a pit – you know, and Pat Narduzzi talking about it being a little guy. They don't want to get the, they don't want to do all the work in recruiting to identify talent, bring them into their program, only to have that talent siphoned off by Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. You pick the school. 
They want to avoid that ultimately. So I, I understand it. And yes, it's, it's all semantics. You can't pay for play. You can't say, I'm going to give you $5 million to come here and play for us. But you could go in and say, hey, you're going to get $5 million in NIL because we've done these deals for other players. This is what your worth is at our program. And having sort of a handshake agreement that when they get there, they're going to start getting that money. So, yeah, so it's, does it's Chad Withrow take the money? If, if, let me hold on. If, if tomorrow one of the Alphabets networks comes to Chad Withrow and says, Chad, we really like your work at Outkick. Here's a million dollars to come to us. You're going to do what? So it, it's a difficult question to answer only because this. If I'm anyone other than Drake May, I take the money. But let's say that, you know, Clay Travis is actually my big brother, right? And that he's the head of OutKick. That's kind of the similarity here. May is a part of the North Carolina family. There is a monetary value to being a North Carolina person in a wealthy North Carolina family and bucking the trend and staying there. And he's going to get paid in the NFL regardless. So maybe he's a bit of an outlier. But either way, Armando, it's an interesting discussion point. Had to bring that up when Brad sent the tweet. And uh, Pat Narduzzi mentioned that. When we come back, ugly, ugly scene at a popular L.A. hotspot with Willie McGinnis, former Patriot, now with the NFL Network. Probably not with the NFL Network for long. We'll discuss why when we come back. This is OutKick 360. 